Welcome to Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. This is episode 41, and with us this time we have the lovable Jonathan Metz. Hey, yo, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? And it is early in the morning for Johnny, so... Uh, and and late at night for TYP. <laughs> uh, yes, so uh, all, all part of the part of the fun of living in a different country. Yeah, yeah how, how is it going, man? Uh, I haven't really spoken to you over voice uh, since you moved down here, so... Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, How's Okinawa treating you? Is it is it the authentic experience? I don't know what you mean by authentic. Um, well, you were worried before that before you went that it wouldn't be. Well, I mean, Okinawa is. Uh, I mean, it's different from from the mainland Japan. It's like the, uh, the Hawaii of Japan, right? It's yeah. It's kind of like the Hawaii of Japan. Uh, I uh, when I first got there, I went on a little uh, trip with some of the other other uh, Americans and other foreigners and um, went to this other island off of the, the main island of Okinawa and it was just like a beautiful beach and totally amazing and uh, you know clear blue ocean and clear sky and yeah so it's really beautiful here outside of the city but uh, I live in one of the cities so uh, it, it feels I wouldn't say it's like Tokyo I mean the, the city here of Naha is uh, the tallest building is probably like 15 stories, but most are three to five stories. So it's not it's not like a New York or a Tokyo with these giant skyscrapers or anything. But um, but you're getting the culture, right? Yeah, I mean, you're not eating more... McDonald's every day. <laughs> I know someone who goes to McDonald's every week. <laughs> I oh, do not. God. That's sad. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, some of the food here is different. Like uh, Okinawa, they have kind of their own cuisine, but. Uh, it's all cool, and you know, you also can just go to the Zakaya and you know, they got pub, pubs and all that crap too. So, have you tried Wonko sushi yet? Wonko sushi? Wonk, Wonko, Wonko sushi. Won- no, it's country it? style sushi, whereas um, what we what we're usually familiar with with uh, sashimi and nigiri are um, they're more like Tokyo style, uh, city okay. style. So Wonko sushi is country style. Um, it's not served in any, there are no rolls, and um, they don't provide any kind of wasabi or soy sauce because the fish is already flavored with whatever the chef flavors it with. So you instead it's served in these little bowls, and you it's sort of like tapas. Usually you would order like three or four different bowls of different things, and mm. um, and you just eat them with your chopsticks. And usually there's a little bit of rice in there, and then the fish, and then a lot of flavorings, and um, it definitely has a stronger and a different flavor than city style sushi which is the only thing I'd ever had before but I mean I had it in Denver so I'm sure you can find it somewhere in Okinawa although it's it is the more like traditional style that you would get out in the countryside if you were up on up on the mainland um, mm. but even in Okinawa I bet you can find a, a restaurant that specializes in that kind of thing it's okay. really good it's uh, expensive uh, here but I don't know how it would compare right. to Japan I, I have no idea um but, uh, yeah, welcome to Radio Trivia, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Okinawa edition. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, settling in. Things things are going okay, uh, you know. And you've got Wario coming. I do have Wario coming. You sent yeah, me Wario. Wario makes everything better. Wario, Wario makes everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it makes everything. How about Ding Dong? That's probably only, like, three listeners actually know that reference. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I didn't get it either. Well, it's, it's what Charles Martinet used to do way back when with Wario, like four or five years ago, when he was like heckling the crowds, like uh, oh. that, like Wheel of Fortune type thing that one year. Oh, oh yes, I do yeah. remember that. 
Yeah, he was okay. good. Yeah, okay. So we're All here right, to well... play music from games, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. And actually, um, as Johnny sometimes does when he co-hosts, he, he selected uh, most of the games and songs. So I'm in the dark for all but the listener requests, which is the third song. That's right. TYP is controlling the music, but I stripped out all the tags from the uh, files, so he has no idea what they are. All right, let's go on to the first song. Uh, some pretty creepy atmospheric music there. I love that stuff. I love Indian music with the um, uh, the tabla and uh, sitar. Sitar. The sitar. Sitar. Okay. It's well, way too early. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. I gave you the option of a different. Uh, time. Look, it's it's nine thirty my time. I mean, it's not too early by any reasonable definition. It's just too early for me on a Saturday. Yeah, I slept until two talking. on Saturday. It's not <laughs> yeah. Saturday anymore. It's not Saturday anymore for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go on to the second game. Or second song. See, it's too late for me. Second. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
That's probably my favorite song from this game. But I'll oh, only you say know that. it. Yeah, I know it. Ah. Yeah, I wasn't sure what the first song, but now now I definitely know it. So uh, what's what's the question? Okay, what spell is a combination of absorb and area? Oh man, I don't know that one. All right. <laughs>
think that song would go along real well to some sort of time attack game, like um, I don't know, uh, Galaxy, Galaxy, uh, Galaxy Wars. Am I blanking out on the game? Geometry game? Wars, Galaxies. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, it would. By the way, that was the longest song. Um, yeah. So. Out, so. <laughs> that is a long song. Okay. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Well, I I know this is Eternal Darkness, and the second song was when you're playing as like the ancestor with the wig, like the like the white wig. Who, the name uh, of the song is Black Rose. I haven't okay. played the game in so long, I don't remember the context, yeah, but I, I do I, want to play through it again soon. Yeah, I, I imagine um, people are probably interested in replaying that because um, Two Humans was out recently, right? And uh, Yeah, and I, I just finished Two Human last night, actually. Oh, really? Um, so. Yeah, and I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. I think um, Dennis is completely wrong when Dennis Dyack, uh, the president when he uh, claims that Two Human is the best game they've ever made. <laughs> I, I, I think he's, he's quite, um, quite incorrect on that front, but that's his opinion. I just disagree with it. Um, but yeah, well, I think Eternal Darkness is far more polished overall, at least from what I remember, and now I kind of want to go back and play it just to, just to confirm that, you know? Well, keep, keep in mind that uh, he's trying to sell his current game, right? Not the game that he made of course. several years ago. <laughs> So, of course. Um, but Eternal Darkness is... I played it through it a couple of times. I think I actually saw the final ending. Um, I so, beat it all three times. Yeah, I, th- I think I did too. Ways. Yeah, yeah. And um, Not really worth it. Like, it was fine to play through it twice, but the third time... It was a chore. It, it, it's a chore, and then the, the secret ending that you get for beating it all three times uh, is not worth it at all. I, agreed, agreed. But um, I remember playing this... This was like one of the first games I played... After um, my parents had finished their like uh, little movie area in in their home in Montana, it, oh, so yeah. like this was like one of the first games I popped in there, and it was really cool. The only problem was that like the game's kind of dark, and uh, <laughs> the projector wasn't the best at contrast, so uh, I had a lot of trouble at times because I just couldn't see what the heck was going on. I had to yeah, especially like, those early uh, proje- LCD projectors. Yeah, that, you know, like the consumer level, they had really bad contrast. I exactly. think the technology's improved since then. It has, it has, but we still have the same projector, so, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so I remember, that's that's what I remember the most about this game, no, no, I, I remember having fun with this game, I, I really enjoyed the way it told its story, and, um, and the spell system was kind of unique in that uh, it kind of made sense, there was kind of a, almost like a language where you built words almost out of the Exactly. Parts. And, um, yeah. I, what was the question, what, what was the combination of area and... And absorb. absorb. My guess would be it absorbs sanity. Uh, no. Okay. Um, well. it, it's one of the more um, hard to predict results in the, in the magic system. I think when you combine area and absorb, the spell is called reveal invisible, and uh, it reveals invisible objects and invisible enemies in the game. Oh. But it's one of those things that like you probably wouldn't be able to guess. That's what the effect would be of combining absorb and area. Whereas right. a lot of the other ones are very predictable. I mean, you you know, you get summon and creature, and you, as you might guess, when you combine those, you can summon a creature to help you. So um, right. In fact, like yeah. it, uh, the game kind of encouraged you to experiment because if I remember correctly, you could actually build certain spells before you were told how to build them. So Absolutely. like if you knew how to build. Uh, I don't know, a spell consisting of five parts and you already had those five runes, you could do it. I mean, there isn't, there's one point where you find like a piece of paper that says, oh, you, you can build the spell this way and then you have to use it to progress usually. 
but you can certainly use it earlier if you have the parts. Which yeah, I the whole was really system cool. has a nice logic to it that's surprising in a in a magic system in a video game, you know. Um, yeah. And of course, it, you know, you you get the runes one by one, so it's not like you can just start off in the game and make every spell. But yeah, you can build things earlier than the game tells you how to do them if you if you learn how to use the system and learn the logic of how it works. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and and I've been thinking about this game not only because uh, I've been playing Two Human. Um, but uh, um, also last week or, or last episode when you and James Charlton played Resident Evil Zero, right. it made me think of Eternal Darkness as well. And I and I was talking to you after that episode. You know, the the uh, hint question had to do with it being on the N64, and right. um, I was telling you that I actually played Resident Evil Zero on the N64 back at E3 2000, my first right. E3, um, before they canceled that and moved it to GameCube. Of course, they did the same thing with Eternal Darkness, which I also got to play on N64, and also with Star Fox Adventures, which was at that time called Dinosaur Planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I got to play all these um, all these crazy, like really high-level polished N64 games at, at E3 2000 that unfortunately never came out on N64. <laughs> I wrote an editorial about why I thought they should stay on N64 and not move to GameCube, and... Um, that editorial at the time got a lot of attention, and I got a lot of comments about it from people at Nintendo and Silicon Knights. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in hindsight, maybe I was right because I think a game like Eternal Darkness actually probably might have sold better on N64 as a late generation game than it did on GameCube as kind of a year after launch, middle of the summer, kind of a bad launch window um, yeah. Yeah. type game. And, you know, I. Dennis always told me that the, that the game was much better for having moved up to GameCube. That they gave them time to make it better, and maybe that's true. But I mean, I definitely liked what I played on N64. It was a very impressive game for that system. Well, it was like going to be on like one of the biggest uh, memory cards for the system, right? Or the biggest uh, cartridge. I don't know if they ever. I don't know if they ever announced that. Oh, I, I was kind of under the impression it was okay. Yeah. Never mind. I'm not sure about that. Okay, so that was Eternal Darkness. Uh, we we have a second game here, which I still don't know what it is, but that's right. We'll see. This is it happening.
Nice, huh? Uh, that's nice. I, I'm pretty much stumped right now, but... You may not have ever played this, but we'll, we'll find out. Fortunately, there are two more songs. sounds a little more familiar mm. but I, I'm still not quite sure okay um, but uh, maybe the question will help me out so all right I think this is a pretty big hint um, what is the supposed reason for this game's limited distribution in the US hmm that does kind of reinforce what I was thinking So I, I'm not looking at the list of games used. I I feel that's that would kind of not be in the spirit of the game. Yeah. I, I thought we already I thought we already used this. What I'm thinking of, maybe not in Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. Uh, is, is this Ogre Battle '64? It is. Yeah, and uh, I checked the list, of course, before uh, before we yeah. started. You, yeah. On Podcast Edition, you've used um, uh, March of the, ba- of the Black Queen, which is the Super Nintendo uh. game. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and that overture there, the the third song that, that we just played is probably almost the same, although just a higher quality in in '64. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean I, that's I put it there because I wanted it to be a big hint. Well, actually, it's, the second song was the one that the I recognized. Um, I've never played yeah, Over that's, Battle. That's kind of the Overworld song, the middle one. Okay. No, uh, actually, the second song is called Loki. I'm sorry. All right. The well, first one is uh, the Overworld. Yeah, this is one of those games where I've I've heard enough through. Using it on radio trivia multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> that, that like this is familiar. 
So, yeah, I've never played Ogre Battle 64. A friend of mine owned it, but uh, I don't know if I even ever watched him play it. Um, if, if, you, if you're still friends with that person, you should borrow it, because otherwise you may never actually get to play it. It's a very yeah. hard game to track down. I don't know if he still has his N64, and secondly, he's he's off in like, Africa in the Peace Corps for two years, or a year and more. Well, then more. He, he won't need it out there, will he? <laughs> yeah, I guess he won't, but I, I think he sold his N64 stuff, unfortunately. Oh, that's, that's too bad. I, I hope he got a lot of money for this game, because it's quite hard to get. Um, the, the answer to the question, um, the supposed reason oh, for this game uh, It was published by Atlas, and not Nintendo, right? That's... That's correct, yeah. Um, I mean, Nintendo published it in Japan, even though uh, Enix developed it. Um, okay. And uh, and then in the U.S., apparently Nintendo passed on the option to publish it um, because Nintendo of America is kind of their asshats about that kind of thing. <laughs> They've it's only like gotten worse. Situation almost. <laughs> hmm? They've only gotten worse. About yeah, I stuff know. like this. <laughs> they really have. Um, but. Um, yeah, so Atlas picked it up, and Atlas is known for um, kind of limited distribution anyway, but this game was made in especially small numbers, and um, a lot of people speculated, and I, I we may never know exactly why, but a lot of people speculated that it was because the, the game uh, required an extra large cartridge. Um, uh, it was a kind of an unusual size. I believe it was something like 48 megabytes. Um, which was a size that I don't think any other game on N64 uses. It might be 40 megabytes, it might be 48, but it was quite a large uh, game. And um, because of that, you know, the, the way cartridges work is that the larger the, uh, the chip inside of it, the larger the capacity, the more expensive it is to produce. It's like sort of like right. an SD card now, except they were much more expensive at the time. And, mm -hmm. um, and so it, it costs more, and it's not like they were going to jack up the price to compensate for that. So basically their profit margin was lower per copy. And so they, they put it out there, and they, I don't know, they, you know, they did their cost-risk analysis and found out how many copies they needed to sell to make a profit. And they pretty much left it there rather than risk making, you know, an, an extra 50, 100,000 and not being able to sell them. Um, so yeah, the game is, is very rare now. And um, I played it... A fair bit. I borrowed it from Max Lake several years mm -hmm. ago, and, um, and uh, I, I eventually sent it back to him. But yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan. It was the first, really, the first time I'd ever played an Ogre Battle, and um, it's weird. It's an unusual kind of game, and um, it's not really up my alley. I think. I mean, it, it feels like an RPG, and yet you don't really have very much control over the battles, so it can be kind of frustrating if you're used to the. Uh, to the Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest kind of mindset where you just tell everybody exactly what to do. Right, well, like Fire Emblem, is it? some people liken it to Fire Emblem. I've never played Ogre Battle. Is Ogre Battle's battle system a bit different from Fire Emblem, or is it It similar? is, yeah, because you're controlling a group of people and not individual units, and... Um, I and see. It's not, it's, not, it's not nearly as strategic. It's more about, like, micromanaging your, your characters between battles. Excuse me. And then once once you're in a battle, you really just kind of watch it happen, you know, and hope that you set everything up correctly. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's got great music, it's got great graphics for N64. It's a kind of game that N64 didn't get nearly enough of, but um, it's it, it wasn't for me, you know. But it, it has its mega fans, that's for sure. And we'll probably hear from some of them after playing this. Maybe. Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> I, I really can't talk about this game much. I really don't know anything about it. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. 
Most yeah. people don't. I mean, it, it's just not. It hasn't been played very much. But um, you know, it's one of those obscure in '64 gems um, that uh, if you ever get a chance to play it, you should, just because you may not get another chance. You know. Well, it sounds like a really, really good choice for a virtual console release. Then um, it there may would be... be, and we, we actually have talked about that on on Radio Free Nintendo and and James Jones. Um, I think he owns it. He says he's he's played the crap out of this game, and uh, huh. he seems to. To, to be aware of some emulation problems that make it difficult to, to pull off in an emulated sense. So there's that, and um, and also just the whole the whole marketing prospect. I mean, it, it didn't sell very well in America. Uh, I mean, it sold out, but it, it didn't sell that many copies. Right. None of the ogre, none of the other ogre battles have either. And uh, and so even if it comes out in Japan, Nintendo of America may just decide it's not worth it. But it, I don't know. That would be a shame because it does kind of fit into the. To the whole reason for Virtual Console existing is like a, almost like a Library of Congress of games over the past twenty years. So. Oh yeah, but how much does it cost to to release a digital distribution? I mean, what's Not the risk? Not much. But if they have to if they have to rejigger the emulator to make yeah. it run, then it could cost a lot. Yeah, yeah. Or, or relatively a lot compared to other games. Yeah. Plus, it's N sixty four, so that right there kind of <laughs> lowers the chances of it ever coming out, just because they don't seem very <laughs> interested in releasing very many N sixty four games. It's true. Well, uh, we should probably move on to the third song, and this one was not picked by Johnny. This is a, a listener request. So. Yep, I'll be uh, guessing on this. <clears throat> sounds familiar, but I think that might be because it sounds a little bit like Milan Secret Castle, and I'm sure it's not. <laughs> so, um, maybe it's maybe it's a Hudson game. That's my thinking so far.
That was the second song. Yeah, I need uh, hint. You need, you need a hint. All right. I need hint. So this game ushered in the beginning of which successful two-company partnership? Hmm. again very familiar um i can't place it but the hint question does kind of uh i think support my theory that this is a hudson game okay but i don't know what game would have launched their their cooperation other than something like um, kirby's dream course on super on super nintendo this is definitely an nes game Wait, Kirby's Dream Course Wait, was an NES game. That's not Hudson. Uh, Kirby's Dream Course is not Hudson either. That's Hal. Oh, Hal. That's right. So, are you thinking of Hal or Hudson? <laughs> yeah, well, I think Hal is... I don't know. Hal has been partially owned by Nintendo for a really long time. Yeah, it has. Because, I mean, Iwata came from Hal. Um, right. I I don't know. I give up. All right. This is actually really interesting that you mentioned Hudson. This is uh, Mickey Mousecapade for the NES. And uh, although it was published by Capcom in America and triggered the start of their relationship with Disney for a lot of their uh, Disney-based NES titles, uh, the game itself was originally developed by Hudson in Japan. (laughs) And Hudson published it in Japan. If, the, if this so, is the game I'm thinking of, it's the one where you can control Mickey and Minnie at the same time and they shoot stars? Yes. Actually, there okay. were a lot of changes. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. you... and you, I, The main thing I remember about this, first of all, it's ridiculously hard. I yes. mean, I probably never got past the second level, but I did yes. like this game as a kid. I, I used to rent it, and it has all these, like, secret items scattered all through the air, and the only way yeah. you can find them is by randomly shooting everywhere, and if your star hit something, then it won't go through it, and so then you know uh-huh. there's a hidden object there, and you keep shooting it like a hundred times, and it will yes. reveal itself. Yes, yes, and I forgot about that. Yeah, I owned this game, too, and um, actually, my grandmother gave it to me as a present way back when, and I was like, oh, Mickey Mouse, and I started playing it. I actually really liked it, and uh, I was searching for more information about this game to talk about it, and I found it on someone's like worst games ever list, and that... <laughs> I, mean, I think Sean just, Baby's written about it, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, this isn't. I mean, it's not a great game by any means, but it's not a bad game either. It just 
kind of dated. Um, it is very dated. It's very addictive to somebody like me who likes to look for secrets, you know? Because, yeah, I mean, um, it's a little bit like Mylon Secret Castle and the whole shooting thing, I guess. Yeah. Go figure. Um, yeah, the music sounds yeah, like Mylon. Figure. It's developed by Hudson. It has all these weird <laughs> secret invisible objects that you have to find. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, it, it's apparently a lot of things were changed for the North American localization, even though they didn't change the title screen from Mickey Mouse to Mickey Mouse Capade. <laughs> but they changed a lot of other things. Um, so like the I guess in the Japanese version it wasn't stars; it was just like circular things, like I don't know, little eggs. I don't know. But uh, like Mega Man Blaster, I guess type type shots instead of stars, and um, a lot the baddies were changed. I, I guess in the Japanese version, it was mostly based on Alice in Wonderland, so like most of the the names of the places and a lot of the graphics were for Alice in Wonderland themed. And so apparently Hudson and, didn't know the first thing about Mickey Mouse. I I guess, and so when when Capcom brought it over, they changed a lot of the, the baddies to other Disney characters. So there was more of like a I guess I never realized this when I played it, but uh, there's like stuff from the Jungle Book and from I don't know other things. So, I think there were like broomsticks from Fantasia. Yeah, you know, and that's that's related to Mickey Mouse. So. Yeah, so I guess Capcom said, "Well, we want to make this a little more like more Mickey and more Disney than just Alice in Wonderland." Yeah. And um, so I guess that was a smart move. So yeah, a lot of the graphics were apparently recycled from other Hudson games and. Uh, I guess some of the game mechanics resemble uh, other Hudson games. But one interesting thing I remember about this game was uh, you could skip to later levels by entering like a, a password. I don't know if it was like left plus start or up plus start for different different levels. And I, I actually got to like the third or fourth level on my own in this game. I never beat it. But um, if you cheat and skip ahead, you won't uh, get many. Because many you have to find in the fun house. Uh, That's you, right. In the first, the first level, you first level you have to find is. you have to like rescue Minnie basically, and then she becomes your partner. Who, uh, if you're not familiar with the game, the way it works is like Minnie kind of trails slightly behind Mickey, and so when you jump, she'll jump like whatever a fraction of a second later, so that'll be in like the same spot if you're running. Um, and so if you shoot, you'll actually kind of get uh, if you jump and shoot, you'll get kind of like two two rows worth instead of just one and if you like really finagle the, the mechanic like when you're on the ladder you can get Minnie on the top and Mickey on the bottom which is sometimes useful too when you're fighting fighting certain enemies um, so it was kind of quirky controls but it, it worked in its own way um, I don't know how well known this game is um, I really don't know how well it sold or how popular I mean it, it, it had Mickey Mouse in it so it was probably pretty popular yeah it's true and it did well enough for Capcom to say, "Oh, let's you know, let's do more together." So, yeah, and I guess that's where where they went on to make things like Ducktales and Rescue Rangers. And Capcom actually developed those internally. Um, right. So even, I, I think the level design is very different for those games. Yeah, right? and, and Capcom actually had had a relationship with Disney up through at least the GameCube generation because they made all those weird Mickey Mouse like point and click games for GameCube. Yeah. On, on N64, they had Mickey's Magical Tetris and. Uh, you know, Mickey Speedway USA with, with Rare, which was a weird right. cooperation with Capcom, Rare, oh, really? and Cap Nintendo, I think. Capcom was a part of that? I figured, oh, well, wow, I didn't I know that. Well, I assumed that they were because they did have the, the Disney license at the time, but maybe it was a non-exclusive license. Maybe Capcom mm. wasn't involved. But, the, you know, they had the Super Nintendo games, like the the, uh, the Mickey Mouse game on Super Nintendo, which is really, right. really good. Um, Mickey's Magical Adventure, that's a great platformer. Um, 
So, I mean, they, they've had a very long relationship. I don't know if they still have a license or not. You know, Square Square is is working with Disney now in Kingdom Hearts, and then Disney has some other deals also. Well, yeah, like the, I and think Disney Interactive is its own company now too. Right? Yeah, Disney's kind of changed their structure for video games, so they have more of like a established subsidiary that that's in charge right. of uh, essentially working with different partners on different games. I don't right. I don't they know sort they really of publish their own games now, and they and they farm out development to different companies. Yeah. Right. Just like Disney Medios is, you know, with. Uh, with Q Entertainment and um, a lot of other stuff, a lot of high right. school musical type crap. <laughs> yeah, so clearly they don't have exclusive uh, relationships with anyone now. I mean, they yeah, that's they, true. Yeah, they'll do whatever they want. So, so that was Mickey Mousecapade. I'm I'm actually really glad that you you're familiar with this game too because uh, yeah, this was like this was a game that I had kind of wanted to use for a long time. And uh, there was always some other Capcom game in the lineup, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll cut Mickey Mouse. I'll use it another time. And and that went on, on and on, and then someone requested it about two months ago. I'm like, okay, now I definitely have to use it. So, so can you uh, tell us is, who requested it? Or yes, uh, uh, Eric. It was Eric from uh, Minnesota. Uh, cool. I believe he requested Thanks. some other stuff. And there are some other requests that, that people have sent in this last week. I really appreciate that, and I'll definitely get to it, um, get to those requests. Um, or at least the ones I can. Uh, okay. So please do continue. And, and if I get like a lot of requests, I will use two instead of one, um, because you know I don't I don't want these to sit around forever. So so please do send in your requests, guys. I, I, I appreciate it. I think it's it's fun because they're games that sometimes I don't I don't even know about that are really good. So please do send them in. Um, so now back to Johnny's selections. Game game four. I don't know this. Another game that you don't know but is really good.
for some reason that reminded me of uh, the movie the the labyrinth from like 1980 <laughs> or whatever nice. with david bowie <laughs> yeah i really i really want to see that again you know the uh the girl the teenage like girl sister who uh, is yeah. the main character is played by jennifer connelly who's a uh-huh. much bigger star now than she was at the time she was really young at the time right yeah i that movie man david bowie scared the crap out of me when i was a kid <laughs> I almost yeah, couldn't watch creepy. it because he was so creepy. I almost he's couldn't creepy. watch the movie. When he's like, especially when you have a really creepy guy holding a baby, that just makes him even oh, creepier, yeah. you know? And, and he's like walking on the ceiling. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. it's I, I, I'd love to see it again, though. I mean, it's all like Jim Henson kind of like puppets, and it's probably really good. Dude, I, I think I have the DVD back home. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but I don't think that's this game though because that was for the NES, and I I think we actually use it. Maybe not for podcast edition, but we've definitely used. Well, there's a video <laughs> the game of Labyrinth. There is really? an NES Labyrinth game. Yes. I've never yes. even heard of that. No, this is not that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Wow. <laughs> Like, I have one idea of what the game is, but I really think I'm wrong. So please help me with a question that might reinforce my thoughts. Sure. Um, what was the heavily advertised retail price of this game in the U.S.?
Okay, I'm I'm gonna go with my my original guess. I really can't remember if it was a budget title or not. Uh, it's a game that you and I kind of differ on an opinion on, um, and a game I did purchase but uh, don't didn't play long enough to remember the music from. I'm gonna guess Puzzle Quest for the DS. No. Ooh. No, Dang. actually, I think I think this game has um, such great music. Cause I, I really like that battle theme there that I, we just yeah, played. And, definitely. And, um, yeah, it, it's a shame that this game is almost universally maligned, and I think for no good reason. Um, this is Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, also oh. known as Final Fantasy USA. Yeah, yeah have I really you played thought this? We... You haven't no, played this, have you? No, we, we have used that game before maybe it wasn't for podcast edition though I, yeah i, I get checked confused. I, I didn't see yeah. it so um yeah this not. is a game that um it, it by the way the answer to the question is 39.99 us dollars um that, that's really the, cheap remember, for an snes game right um square at the time took out these full page magazine ads and nintendo power and egm and you know all the all the usual places for game advertising and uh and the the price, thirty nine ninety nine, was very large. It was like the largest thing on the page. So I mean, they were really <laughs> pushing this price as being a really cheap, brand new Super Nintendo RPG. And um, it's funny because a lot of people think that the game was kind of designed for kids or designed for you know specifically for Americans who didn't understand the Final Fantasy games or something. And I think really it was kind of designed for people who were broke because the Final Fantasy games in particular on Super Nintendo were quite expensive. They usually ran seventy or eighty dollars. Right. So this was um, this was I think thirty nine ninety nine was the same price as a Player's Choice title on Super Nintendo. Um, okay. So this was almost like almost literally a budget title from the very beginning. And it's actually quite good. It's a fun game. I mean, it's not as open. It, there's not, there aren't as many options and things to do as there are in a, in a typical Final Fantasy game, but um, I think it's worth playing. It's, it's very attractive, it has great music. The story isn't the most interesting thing, but some of the environments are pretty cool. Um, and it's got a little bit of, um, it's got a little bit of like Final Fantasy Adventure or Seiken Densetsu, like the prequel okay. to Secret of Mana, because right. your, your characters have these different abilities, like they can shoot out a little hook shot or they can swing a sword to cut down. Bushes, and it's still like turn-based random battles, but you have all these ways to interact with the environment that are sort of like action RPG-like. Hmm. Um, it's it's a good bit different than a typical Final Fantasy. And um, yeah, I mean, I I was just saying on Radio Free Nintendo on, on an episode recently that um, I really like this game. I don't know why people hate it so much, and um, it's not like I can't play the other Final Fantasies because you know I had Final Fantasy IV. Final Fantasy VI, and I beat the first Final Fantasy, and I played almost all of them now. Um, and I, I still like this one. I, I don't think it's the, you know, I don't think it's the uh, crappy redheaded stepchild or anything like that. It's just different, and uh, it's, it's worth playing. I think it's good. And, and this one was developed uh, by a U.S. team, right? No, no. The only, um, the only Square game of that generation, at least, that was developed in America was Secret of Evermore. And that studio was shut down after Secret. Yeah, this this one is a Japanese, very Japanese game actually, um, but it, it was developed with U.S. audiences in mind, and I believe it was eventually released in Japan under the name Final Fantasy USA. Yeah. The same thing. Sounds as Super Mario Brothers Two like USA. A, yeah, it Super sounds Mario. kind of like a uh, I don't know, like a like a negative label that they would slap on it. You know? But um, yeah, I, I I do think it's actually a pretty good game. It's, 
There you go. That's good music. Well, uh, I didn't get that one. I'm upset. It's okay. I, I didn't think you'd ever play that one because you're not a big Final Fantasy guy. Right. Okay, one more game, guys. Yep. Sure, this isn't like an OC remix of something. <laughs> I'm quite positive, yeah. All right then. And this isn't like some cop show from like the seventies. <laughs> All right then.
I have my inklings, but I, I probably haven't played this game, and I probably really don't know. Uh, question. Okay, yeah, if you haven't played it, that's too bad. Um, I actually have a rhetorical hint question. I think this may be a first. A rhetorical hint question. Here we go. Hey, Nintendo, where the hell is my sequel? Um, okay. Um, next song. Are your ears bleeding yet? Uh, no, actually, they aren't. Um, oh, that's another hint. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that actually enforces my second guess. I was going to guess uh, Gate of Thunder, but uh, now I'm going to go with uh, Fuck Truck. Uh, I mean Excite Truck. Um, <laughs> I've never heard the music from the game. I'm going to go with Excite yeah. Truck. It is so, Excite Truck, yes. That music is not as bad as I was led to believe it would be, quite frankly. I mean, it's not okay, great here, music. Here's the problem. The songs that you just heard, those are full length. Okay, so the problem is the races in this game typically go on for six to eight minutes or more. And the, the songs only are on about a two-minute loop. Right. And it's that stuff. So, yeah, it gets annoying really fast. I mean, right. I, I refer to it in my review as some of the worst guitar rock I've ever heard. And it is truly cheesy. It is but, cheesy. But the problem is the entire soundtrack sounds like that. I actually had trouble picking out three songs that sound different from each other <laughs> enough to, to use on the show. And they loop okay. just incessantly. It's um, it's kind of mind-numbing after a while. I mean, you really have to use the custom soundtrack thing. Right, yeah. I mean, I only uh, played it you know, a little like the E3, uh, not the E3, the uh, We Launch event, and then when you showed it to me a couple of times. But whenever you showed it to me, he'd always put on his custom uh, soundtrack. Yeah. So I never heard the music that went with Excite Truck. I've only yeah, heard. Yeah, that's that's for I mean, the best. <laughs> I don't think it was that. Bad. I mean, I, I guess I have a soft spot for guitar rock. I mean, I'm not going to say that was good. Um, I like I like the Lords of Thunder music, which I know you don't really like. 
Um, but it, I, I guess I think it's hilarious, but I wouldn't a, listen to it. Right. <laughs> well, well it's a, I guess there's probably more variety in Lords of Thunder soundtrack than I this. think there is, yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I mean, Excitruck is, is an incredibly fun game. I love it. I really, really love the gameplay. I love the track designs. I wish it had better multiplayer, because it would be uh-huh. a great multiplayer game. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, back to the hint question. <laughs> hey, Nintendo, where the hell is my sequel? I mean, this game sold extremely well as a launch title, and they haven't even mentioned any kind of sequel, and there's so many obvious ways you can improve on it and, and really, you know, make a, another game worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Unfortunately, they, I don't know if they're going to do that or not. I, I really wish they would because I love Excitruck. And the music, I don't care. I'll just I'll just replace it again if I have to, if they can't improve that. But, you know, a little online multiplayer, maybe like four-player split screen that actually kind of works and, and actually has like AI trucks on there and not just the two of you. Right. Um, a lot of new levels and environments and it uh, would be awesome. Yeah, I, I didn't play enough of this game to really feel, get the feel for it. I never got past the this is really sensitive controls, uh, sta- you know, standpoint. Um, yeah, th- it, that depends a lot on the t- on the kind of car that you select because some of the cars are almost impossible to control at least at, at the beginning uh, when you're not used to the whole thing. Um, but yeah, there's a, at least one or two different cars at the beginning that you can select that are much easier to control, and then that gives you time to practice and get used to it, and then you okay. can kind of get into the more risky. Propositions. So I'm not sure what the answer to that question was. If people want to take points, I don't. I don't know. I guess they get a free point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, to answer your rhetorical question, if I may, I, I suspect that Nintendo kind of feels like Mario Kart Wii is, in some ways, a sequel because of the tilt controls, which may not be a no valid way. a valid answer. But I, I don't know. They may kind of have that attitude. I got to tell you, I like Excite Truck a lot better, a lot more than I like Mario Kart. I really do. Really? Yeah. Huh. Well, I can't say I've played a whole lot of Mario Kart even after buying it, so maybe that re- <laughs> reinforces. I, I bought yeah. it because I'm like, it's something I should own for if someone's around and wants to play it with me. You know, it was kind of the way I eventually bought it. Um, but yeah, I've I've played Mario Kart Wii for maybe by myself for maybe an hour just to unlock all the courses. That's it. Yeah. yeah, and Excitruck is primarily a single-player game. There is a two-player mode, but it sucks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's 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 actually really fantastic. It's a lot of fun. Sort of, it's a lot like an off-road burnout. Surprisingly, yeah, it's really good. Hmm. Off-road 3D burnout. Well, not yeah. burnout. Wait, burnout. Uh, all all I'm the burnout of... games are 3D. <laughs> no, so you said off-road. I was thinking of the old off-road arcade games. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I'm like, okay. Sorry, my bad. Um, okay, so that was that was the fifth game. You don't have any more for you. Um, we got a, you, had a, you picked like a wide variety. Um, we got a wide variety. Um, yeah, actually, all five of our songs today were on different systems. Yeah, that's With pretty impressive. Five five games, we don't five usually systems. Usually do that. Yeah. Very nice. So, Very uh, nice. Thank you. Um, thank you. And you did pretty well on the guessing. I did. I'm surprised, especially since I own. One one of the games that no, that, that I picked, selected. yeah. Right, I owned yeah, one probably. that I selected with with a listener request. But other than that, yeah, I I did better than average for me, definitely. Um, well, originally I wanted to do um, Secret of Mana and Jet Force Gemini, but the, I checked the list and those were, had both been used before. Yeah. Um, maybe even by me because my memory's not very good on what I've used and what I haven't. Uh, so, I, I don't remember either, so. 
Yeah, I had to scrap those. But uh, I, I figured those you might have done a little bit better on those. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad with what we ended up with. Mm-hmm. I no. give this show an A minus. <laughs> you got to get a point of five off for um, just because, I guess. Right? Yeah. It's not perfect, so... Have we axed the, uh, the point, point fives at this point? I don't even know in our reviews. Oh, and, uh, yeah, in, this, in the reviews on the site, yeah, we yeah. have. I mean, it, it's, I don't think it's totally official until the site relaunches soon. But uh, I think everyone's been trying not to use them. I have. Yeah, all right. Well, thank, thank you for, for co-hosting, Johnny, and, and yeah, for getting up at the, at the wee hour of the morning of, like, 9 a.m. I don't know. <laughs> on sa- well, but it's Saturday. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, I usually Saturday. sleep later on Saturday. Thank you for for staying up late. Well, and thanks uh, to our listeners for staying with us, especially after the excite truck. <laughs> <laughs> I well, thought about putting excite truck at the beginning, and I thought, no, they'll never make it through the rest of the show. <laughs> well, you're you're gonna give me some extra songs to play at the end, right? For excite truck. Uh, sure. The background. Actually, that would be actually the music probably is pretty good in the background. It all sound like a '70s cop show. <laughs> <laughs> It'll sound like we're having a, a video game discussion at a choir concert. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, good night, everyone. Um, and, uh, thanks again for hosting, Johnny. And do send in your Yeah, it was fun. It's always fun. I like it stuff. Right, bye. Okay, bye. Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem is copyright 2002 Nintendo. Ogre Battle 64 is copyright 1999 Nintendo Quest. Mickey Mousecapade is copyright 1988 Walt Disney Company, Hudson Soft, Capcom. Final Fantasy Mystic Quest is copyright 1992 Square. Excite Truck is copyright 2006 Nintendo Monster Games. The, um... My mind is totally blanking. What is that thing called? Ravi Shankar played it. Ah. Uh-huh. Edit this shit out, please. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Ah! Ah! God damn it, Star Power, I want you to work. What?